0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath.
1: Well, John, two games left in the season. It's got to be an empty feeling right now for Broncos fans. i got to believe that's the case. You get a chance to go up against one of the best teams in the conference at home, national TV spot. And what it ends up being is really a party for the Bills and their fans, right? They wax the Broncos in that second half. They're on the field celebrating their first division title in more than two decades at mile high. Their fans are outside the stadium it must have felt like western New York outside the stadium when the Bills were leaving their fans are crazy I'm sure you saw some of that on social media but for the Broncos it kind of is what it is right now we have five consecutive years where they're going to miss the playoffs we kind of knew that was coming but we also now have four consecutive losing seasons it's just not great right I mean how do you feel about all that and how that all kind of packages together
2: yeah, it's a it's a big bummer because like you said, since they've won the Super Bowl, the year after that they kind of came real close to getting back into the playoffs, but besides that one after Super Bowl season, the last four years have just been awful. And, like, there have been some signs of, like, okay, Bradley Chubb looks promising. Okay, Cortland Sutton looks promising. Like, they they have, like, some promising guys. They just haven't been able to put it together the last few years. And then, like, even in this Bills game specifically at halftime, they were right in the game, like, against a team that, like, right behind the Chiefs is probably, like, the second best team in the – AFC and they're sticking with them and then in the second half it just snowballed and they got way behind and just couldn't dig themselves out of it. So like a loss is a loss and a blowout loss is a blowout loss. I'm not saying a half of football means that they're close. It doesn't like the, the score reflected the Bills versus the Broncos this season. So it, it's just disappointing because it keeps happening over and over, but uh, I still, like you know me, I'm overly optimistic. I still feel like going forward, they they still got pieces, though, to be able to sort things out. And if they can finish the season on a high note, like if you can beat – the, they already beat the Chargers this year, and then they get the Raiders at home in their season finale, and who knows if Derek Carr will be – healthy or not for that season finale so if they can get two wins close out the season like yeah it's still a losing season yes it's not like it's still disappointing but at least you end on a high note and you can go into 2020 2021 hopefully with feeling a little bit better about the team than we are right now because right now after a game like that you're just you're not feeling great and no broncos fans are feeling good about the team at this moment
1: no, no doubt, and I I liked a lot of what you said there. There's a few things I want to look. I want to hit on some of the topics you just mentioned. Some of the some of the things the uh, the Broncos have been doing in the draft the past three years, how they've been building the team. I think it's very fascinating. We could look at that. I want to do that here, coming up in a little bit. But you kind of mentioned the same thing happening over and over and over. And I feel like we've been on the Drew Locke roller coaster, John. One one week we're down yeah. on him. The next week we're up. You talked about that game kind of snowballing on the Broncos in the second half, and really. You know the play you got to look at is the scoop and score strip sack. Where yep. I mean that was where the game turned right. That's where it was floodgates. You know we were exchanging notes here before the pod and Locke's turnover streak extends to a league leading ten straight games. Got to give you credit for that stat. Uh, and just you know a tough game for Locke coming off the big one. He had a great performance the week prior, and then he comes in. He comes up against the Bills and Josh Allen. Josh Allen clearly had a little. Hair crossed his ass that the Broncos didn't pick him being a kid who played college not far away in Wyoming, right? And Allen clearly has a little thing for the Broncos. And yeah, for he, sure. Uh, he was he was he was strutting a little bit. He was doing his thing uh, against the Broncos. He wanted to You can't blame he, him. No, you can't. You can't. And I think everyone hoping that Drew Locke is gonna be Josh Allen, you just see the you see the growth that Locke needs to, you know, needs to have to get there. He's a long way off. I know he's still young but he's a long way off from where Josh Allen is right now. There's no doubt about it.
2: Yeah, the the fumbles, like you mentioned, 10-strike games, or uh, not just fumbles, turnovers in general right, right, right. are a problem. And he's he's had a bunch of fumbles this year, but honestly, with the fumbles... They are a problem, but I'm not as worried about fumbles as much as I am interceptions because I feel like fumble for a quarterback is easier to correct than interception. It's just he's just got to tuck the ball better when he's running, like on that one where the guy got him from behind. He just the ball wasn't tucked in. And if the ball was tucked in, that's not a fumble. So I feel like there's just two games left. In the offseason, they can work with him on hanging on to the ball. The, the turnovers or the interceptions is a different story. Hopefully, he can also make uh, some progress with the interceptions. But his he's fumbling too much, but I'm not too, too worried about it because I think they can correct it. And like you mentioned on Josh Allen, last week, you, you told Broncos fans on the podcast, you're like, look at Josh Allen. Look how good he is now. And, like, kind of take into consideration that he started rough, too. Like,
1: oh, he Locke sucked at the beginning. He did. He was terrible. Yeah,
2: his there. rookie year was really bad, and he had a ton of turnovers. And Locke on Saturday was his 16th game. So it's kind of like Locke just finished his rookie season. It's not because this is his second year, and he played the last five games last year. But, like, he just played 16 games, and if you look at his, like, touchdowns to turnovers compared to Josh Allen's first season Locke's numbers are actually better and it's not a completely fair comparison because like I said it's over two seasons but it is only 16 games so Locke still is a young guy and I'm not saying he's going to turn into Josh Allen because Allen right now looks like one of the best QBs in the NFL like he's developed so well and he was a high draft pick for a reason and Locke was a second round pick so I'm not saying he'll reach that level but if he can cut out some of the turnovers and if he can make a year two jump I think he could get better and then and right now, Josh Allen is in his third year. If uh, Drew Locke gets back-to-back seasons with Pat Shermer, he hasn't had back-to-back seasons with an offensive coordinator since like his uh, sophomore year of college, I think. Yeah, no doubt. Like, he, he, he keeps having to recycle offensive coordinators and quarterbacks, coaches. So if they can bring back Shermer and bring back Locke, like, I think they'll bring in competition, but I don't think they're like – trading away all their future first round draft picks to trade up for a quarterback. I Maybe they'll do that. I just kind of doubt it. I think they'll bring in like a Sam Darnold or somebody like push drew lock. And if lock is pushed and steps up to the plate and wins the competition, I think that's, they would love to see that happen. And then if he takes some prog, if he makes some progress going in next year, you feel a little better about him. And then you get your pro bowl wide receiver, Cortland Sutton back, Jerry Judy. Hopefully he uh, ha- has a, a, like Judy's dropped too many passes this year and he just hasn't looked as good as you want a first round uh, wide receiver look, but sometimes wide receivers, they just have a tough first season. So maybe next year, Judy's going to take a leap. Maybe KJ Hamler takes a leap. And then Tim Patrick this year kind of came out of nowhere and Patrick's has a real nice season. So you get those four wide receivers, no fan, Alberto, real nice tight ends. And you got two good backs. Like if Locke has a good off season, but this is probably kind of silly for me to say this because we all were saying this this past offseason. But I feel like the offense could be decent next year. And even though he's had so many turnovers, I'm still not ready to give up on Locke just yet. I feel like you got to give him just give him another season and see how it goes. I think an off season would be good for him.
1: No, 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 John. It's ripping time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I agree with you 100%. And I think so. If Josh Allen's the prototype, if the Broncos are hoping Locke is that guy, I think there's evidence that shows that he, at least in their mind, he can be, right? I don't think the Broncos are anywhere close to giving up on Drew Locke. And I want to continue this conversation and tell you why. We'll do that coming up next.
0: Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Welcome to week 16 of the
3: fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays in the championship round for most leagues. Derek Carr left last week with a groin injury that was deemed a one to two week situation, but he's been splitting first team reps with Marcus Mariota. For all of the on paper upgrades Miami made in the offseason, it has struggled to contain competent quarterbacks, especially dual threats. Cam Newton, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Patrick Mahomes. All of them trounce this group, and even rookie quarterback Justin Herbert found success. Mariota is the better recommendation in the event he starts, just because we don't know what to expect from Carr's injury. But the matchup is right for either player. Sticking with the same matchup, but on the other side of the coin, running back Lynn Bowden of the Miami Dolphins takes on the team that drafted him in the Raiders. Bowden is a running back receiver combo and can be flexed out into the slot. In fact, he does that more often than not. He's by far the most talented natural receiver out of this backfield, but keep in mind he offers nothing from the running game perspective, with just three carries in the last three games. Injury question marks with Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki leave this passing game a little thin, so it will be all hands on deck. The Raiders have given up five and a half receptions a game to running backs in 2020, and Bowden is poised to eclipse that mark. Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Tyron Johnson versus the Denver Broncos. Injuries have slowed receivers Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and it opened the door for the explosive Johnson to see more action. His 12 targets in the last two games after only nine on the year entering Week 14. There's a ton of risk here since he's a low volume, high yield type of player, but the Broncos have permitted 21 different efforts of at least 10 PPR points in 2020, and both Allen and Williams scored in the earlier meeting. Johnson is an intriguing flex flyer. Chicago Bears rookie tight end Cole Komet at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Understand by starting him you're taking a tremendous amount of risk, and this is purely a flyer for a touchdown against a defense that has been atrocious at stopping tight ends in 2020. Only the Jets have allowed more touchdowns on the year to the position, and no team has given up scores at a higher frequency than once every 5.2 catches. But seven times the position has been held to 36 or fewer yards, which makes this the epitome of a gamble for a touchdown for more fantasy football news tips and advice please be sure to check out the huddle.com
1: all right john we talked about josh allen having a little thing with the broncos for passing on him in the draft obviously that was 2018 uh josh allen was drafted number seven by the bills the broncos drafted bradley chubb at number five the pro bowler Bradley Chubb, right, at number five. So you can't give the Broncos too much crap. Good edge rushers are always going to be picked high in the draft. That's just what it is. The Broncos decide to draft Bradley Chubb in 2018. and But that's where that whole thing comes in. But that just made me kind of look at the drafts the last three years, from 2018, 2019, and 2020. And I thought it was kind of interesting. I want to go through just the first couple rounds, the first couple – picks the Broncos made in each of these these drafts because it kind of shows the way they were building their team and we just talked about it four consecutive losing seasons you are what you are you're building your team a certain way and I want to get your take on it so in 2018 they draft Chubb they pass up on Allen they also pass up like everybody else in the NFL uh, except for the Ravens they pass up on Lamar Jackson right I mean that was another one Lamar Jackson goes number 32 but in that 2018 draft the Broncos take a wide receiver in Cortland Sutton who ends up being a, a good player I think he's hurt this year but he's a good player Third round they draft Royce Freeman. They feel so good about Royce Freeman that they went out and got Melvin Gordon this past season. <laughs> they drafted someone named Isaac Yeldum, who they they drafted him in the third round, John, but they traded him to the Giants for a seventh rounder this year. Is that
2: right? Yep. Yeah, big okay. bust. Yep, yeah, he's a for bust. the Broncos. He actually played decent for the Giants. I think you need a change of scenery.
1: Yeah, sure. And then they also pick up uh, linebacker Josie Jewell, who is a good pick. And uh, fourth round, they draft a wide receiver in Deshaun Hamilton, who is still on the roster, but even this year with the injuries, he hasn't really got on the field or or made really an impact. So that's interesting. They kind of hit on both sides of the ball there. I think Cortland Sutton was a good pick. I, I think Chubb and Jewel, obviously, really good picks. Let's look at 2019, right? This is the year the Broncos go and they draft Noah Fant, right? Number 20 overall. They draft... They invest another high draft pick in the offense in the second round. They go back to back and there must've been a trade here. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. They traded trade, down.
2: Yeah. They had a high draft pick. They traded down and got fan. And then the second round, they had two picks then.
1: Okay. So two picks, they drafted offensive lineman and then they draft drew Locke at number 42. So they had back to back picks, Dalton Risner, the tackle, and then drew lock at number 42. So they draft Locke as their quarterback of the future. And then they go defense in the third round defense in the fifth round. And in 2020, First round, second round, as you just mentioned before the break, Jerry Judy at number 15 overall, and then KJ Hamler, right? So you look at the draft, Cortland Sutton in the second round three years ago, Noah Fant in the first round in 2019, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, and they also picked up Drew Locke over the last couple of years. So they've clearly been trying to build on the offensive side of the football. And they've been building around Drew Locke. And that's what it is. They drafted Drew Locke and they've been building around him. I don't think there's any other way to justify drafting two wide receivers in the first two rounds in 2020 unless you're building around and believe in your quarterback, John. So I thought that was interesting. But what do you think about that? They have definitely invested heavily on the offensive side of the football. And if Drew Locke isn't the guy... Well, it's not going to do you much good, right? You've got to figure out the quarterback position. So it, it almost puts more pressure on the lock decision to be right because that's not something you could just fix overnight. So, but what do you think? Have they invested too much in the offense? What do you think?
2: I don't think necessarily because I think even if lock isn't the guy, like Sutton and Judy and Hamler and Fant, they'll still be there, like even in 2022, if you need to like draft someone or whatever, or if sure. like they bring in Stafford because they're just giving up on lock. I don't think they will give up on lock. But like if they bring like a proven quarterback in, he's going. To have a lot of pieces around him, so I feel like, no matter if Locks the guy or not, setting up whoever the quarterback is for success, I feel like is not a bad strategy. Especially because I feel like part of the reason they felt comfortable doing that, because I think Elway thinks Fangio is a real competent defensive guy. Like they've had. Uh, They lost their number one defensive lineman. They lost their number one pass rusher in Von Miller. They lost their number one cornerback. Like they've had so many injuries on defense and there have been some blowout games like on Saturday against the bills. But in general, like the defense has done a lot of bending and not breaking, like going into Saturday's game. They had the number one red zone defense in the NFL. So I feel like Elway feels like they can plug a lot of guys in on defense and still get the job done on defense so what they need to focus on is getting some weapons and some firepower on offense and i feel like they really have those weapons and firepower now so if Locke takes a step forward I feel like the offense is going to take a really big leap next year. And if he doesn't take a step forward, I feel like you bring in a competent quarterback and you are you have the pieces already in place for whoever the new guy is. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad strategy at all. And I hope and I'm sure that the Broncos are hoping that Locke is the one that gets to benefit from it.
1: So the 2021 season for Locke, if we're judging him on that same curve as Josh Allen, Last year was the year that Josh Allen took the big step. He led the Bills to the playoffs. It was a little crazy, a little helter-skelter in the playoffs. Josh Allen's kind of running around with the, like a chicken with his head cut off, but I think he kind of learned his lesson. Uh, and now the Bills are one of the best teams in football, and and Josh Allen's playing at an MVP level. So, But we definitely saw – we keep talking about the step and the flash with Locke that we want to see. I think it's next season we got to see it, and I don't think there's any doubt Locke will be the guy going into next season. He's going to have to play – just like he is this year. He's got to play terrible for them to move on from him and, and give up on him. There's, that's just not happening. You mentioned Jerry Judy. He's a guy that they invested a, a fifth, number 15 overall in Jerry Judy. In a draft class, John, that we've talked about, was loaded with really good wide receivers. I think Justin Jefferson just made the Pro Bowl, right, as a rookie, which doesn't happen all the time. Judy only has four catches over his last four games. I don't know if that's on him, if it's on the play caller, if it's on Locke or what's going on. But what's your concern level with him? And we're talking about Locke. He needs to be- make a big step next year, and even in these last few games. Well, Jerry Judy's got to play better football next year too. He's got to become, you know, a guy that was drafted number 15 overall he's got to come he's got to come at least closer to what justin jefferson is he's got to be a game changer and right now he's just not changing games
2: yeah yeah i i completely get what you're saying and it's been disappointing from judy but i'm not like uh sounding the alarm like oh no jerry judy's a bust like that's, the my, jo- made that's terrible my job though, and i overreact yeah. to
1: everything you know that
2: <laughs> yeah like uh, jefferson's done great but who knows if jefferson was in uh denver's offense with Locke struggling uh like he'd probably still be putting up good numbers but who knows if his numbers would be the same but judy has had his problems like the drops have been a problem hopefully that's something he's able to work on yeah. and correct in the offseason and i think it's it's not only drops like it's not that he's dropping everywhere in the past like his involvement hasn't been there like early in the season there was times when he would ran a fantastic route and be wide open and Locke wouldn't just see him and then more recently in late and mo- more recent games that hasn't happened so much but Locke just like hasn't been throwing to him that much. And I feel like part of it is Locke is very, very confident in Tim Patrick. Like Tim Patrick has stepped up and basically been Drew Locke's Cortland Sutton this year. And I feel like Locke has really latched onto that. So like if there's a third down or a key situation, like Locke or Patrick is his number one target. So I feel like Judy has kind of uh, been hurt by that. And I think also early in the year, teams were really focusing on Judy because they're like, okay, Cortland Sutton's out. This is their first round rookie. We're going to take him out of the game. And I think that kind of helped. Uh, it, it took some attention off Patrick and Patrick thrived in that kind of situation. And Judy kind of struggled to have a secondary focus on him because he comes from like Alabama is an amazing program, but like the team, even, even though they play, competent college teams like one or two guys on the defense that they play against goes to the NFL when you get to the NFL it's a team full of those one or two guys and like that's a huge difference like in in college Judy had so many times when he's just catching wide open passes and he is he is good at getting separation even the NFL but it's just not the same so I feel like there's been an adjustment for him there have been times when Locke hasn't seen him and there have been times when Locke in the second half of the season I feel like he's kind of leaning on Patrick and then just Pat Shermer, the play caller, I don't know if he's just not drawing up as many things for Judy because he's not quite as confident in him. And then of course there's been the drops. So there's been like a combination of things, but I don't besides the drops, I don't think there's anything that's like, oh man, it's really alarming. I think it's just it's just kind of been a rough season and it's been a rough season for Judy. But I think he'll get it worked out. And I think just like Locke, we expect to see him take a take a step of progress next year big time. And I think having uh Sutton back next year, I think that would be really, really good for him because I think it teams will have to go back to focus more on Sutton and I think that could help Judy play in kind of the middle of the field and do what he really likes to do well.
1: I think you're hundred percent right, John. I think Elway has a lot of trust in his defense and the defense hasn't done anything this year to show us otherwise. with all the injuries they've held their own. There's no doubt about it. And the Broncos have been investing in that offense and we'll see if it pans out. It's gonna be super interesting. Speaking of the defense, and one of the leaders and one of the injured players that the Broncos have really missed all year, really missed, Von Miller. The coach talked about him, talked about his chances of coming back this season. Will Von Miller come back? Do we want him to come back? Let's talk about that coming up next.
0: It's that time again for the line of the week the inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire.
2: Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of Vets and Podcast and SportsbookWire.com. It's week 16 of the NFL, and I'm joined again by Jeff Clark, my colleague. We're breaking down the Sunday night football game between the Tennessee Titans and Green Bay Packers. The Packers are 3.5 point home favorites at Lambeau, minus 105 odds. The Titans on the road, plus 3.5 point underdogs, minus 115 odds. Big game for both teams. Playoff implications all over the board here. Packers trying to hold on to the number one seed in the NFC. I'm on them to win by at least four points. Jeff, I think Matt LaFleur just gets his revenge against Tennessee Titans, even though things worked out pretty well for him. He can't be too angry at them.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely sweating
2: the Matt LaFleur revenge game. To me, it's a toss-up with the offenses. It's a bit of a toss-up with the defense. I'm willing to concede Green Bay is a little bit better on the defensive end or more reliable. Uh, But the game just means more to the Tennessee Titans. Um, They haven't locked up anything not the AFC South, not an AFC wild card, whereas Green Bay has the NFC North all tucked away and could be looking ahead to the playoffs or just wanting to rest up, not giving a full effort uh give me the three plus the hook with the titans
1: all right john it sounds from vic Bangio like vaughn miller is not going to come back this year or he's unlikely to come back over these next two weeks the broncos now are out of the playoffs for me i understand why a football player wants to play football and i really wouldn't have a huge problem if vaughn miller played i guess but i think the fanboy of me and and the person who fears the worst at all times. I just don't want to see him get hurt and have anything lingering into the offseason. He had, he got hurt. You want him to be healthy and happy and ready to roll and dominate next year. And I just don't see the value in putting him out there in a season that's over. Uh, I, that's just how I feel. So it it doesn't sound like he's going to be out there anyway, but should Broncos fans want to see Von Miller over these last two weeks? If he had a chance to play.
2: Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I feel like, uh, because he's been sidelined for so long, you don't want to give him like one week of practice and one week of conditioning and then throw him back in an NFL game. And then like something else happen or him like re aggravated or something. I feel like the conditioning is the really big thing. You just don't want him to be put in a position that he wouldn't usually put in and then maybe suffer kind of some kind of injury because he just, he's not in game shape. So I kind of, I get where you're coming from and I feel like probably a lot of fans would understand if they shut him down for the year, because like you said, you want him to be healthy going into the next season. He's actually going into his contract year next season and if you want him to play well, be healthy, and then hopefully, ideally, the Broncos give him a contract extension and he finishes his career uh, a Bronco and a Bronco hero, not re-injure himself. The Broncos cut him the offseason and then he finishes with the Raiders or something awful like that. Yeah, yeah. So. I completely get where you're coming from and I we're recording this on Tuesday. So we're not sure yet if he practices on Wednesday, but it sounded like he's unlikely to practice this week. And I feel like if he does not practice this week, I think it's very unlikely it'll come back this year because like I said, it, if he doesn't practice this week, his, his only opportunity would be practice the the week of the game and I just think it's so unlikely after months of rehab and very limited conditioning that they would say okay three days of practice okay you're ready to go an NFL game I just I don't think they would do that to him so if he does some practice this week I don't think we're going to see him I think they would want him to have two weeks of practice and conditioning to have any shot of playing and it's looking like that's unlikely so I don't think we'll see him this year and I agree with you that I think that's the right decision
1: yeah it doesn't seem smart to roll him out there maybe let him practice if you want but i don't know if i'm throwing them out in a game and risking anything right now there's been enough enough bad juju this season for the broncos we don't need anything definitely don't need anything else uh but tis the season john to uh bitch about guys that should have made the pro bowl and the broncos are not shy about garrett Bowles getting snubbed off their pro bowl roster uh but the broncos did have more pro bowlers than the tampa bay buccaneers and some of these some other teams out there (laughs) right they had two pro bowlers chubb and simmons so what do you think about the guys that did make the roster and maybe some of the guys that didn't for Denver?
2: Yeah, I was very, very happy for Chubb. He was super emotional in his Zoom press conference after he made it because yeah, he talked cool. about last year when he tore his ACL and he was, he was like crying to his dad and his dad was like, hey, you're going to come back from this. You're going to come back strong. And then he goes, he comes back from it, and the very next year he makes the Pro Bowl. Like that is such a cool thing that he was able to overcome that serious injury and play well enough this year to be considered one of the AFC's top edge defenders. And then Justin Simmons, he was also very deserving. Even last year, he was deserving and he wasn't even a Pro Bowl alternate. And then after that, he was named an All-Pro. And it was like, okay, that just goes to show you like a lot of the Pro Bowl voting, especially by like the fans, it's just kind of a popularity contest because if you're an All-Pro, you you should definitely be on the Pro Bowl roster. So he was snubbed last year. That kind of gave him some extra motivation this year and to see him get recognized it's really nice for him, and I think that's kind of good news for Garrett Bowles. Like a lot of fans are upset that he didn't make it this year. He, he, I think he. Well, I think it's fair to say he was a snub, but I think like the average NFL fan, I think has no idea who Garrett Bowles is. And if they do know who he is, I think it's because the last few three years, Broncos fans have complained about how awful he was. <laughs> how he was always holding. He was always doing false starts. He was always allowing sacks. And then this year, just out of nowhere, he just had an amazing season. He hasn't allowed a single sack, three tackles that did make the Pro Bowl for the AFC. All of them have allowed multiple sacks and Bulls didn't allow any. He's like one of the top graded pro football focus offensive tackles. And I know PFF, take it for what you will, like their grading scale isn't perfect, but it's just something, uh, it's it's another thing to weigh in his uh, weigh his season with. And he's just had a really good season, but I feel like this year, when fans look at all the articles, like ten Pro Bowl snubs for 2020, Bowles is going to be listed on like almost all of those articles. And then at the end of the year, they say they see PFF rankings of like the top offensive lineman, and Bowles is going to like be on that graphic. So I think he's getting in people's mind this year. So then next year, when it comes around and fans vote, they're like, oh yeah, Garrett Bowles, I know who he is. So I feel like next year he could get his Pro Bowl nod just like this year, Justin Simmons did after he kind of got his recognition last year. And like Bradley Chubb as a rookie, he had 12 sacks and he didn't make the pro bowl, but that kind of like gave him name recognition. And then this year he has seven and a half sacks with two games to go. And he made the pro bowl. Like he didn't even have as good of a year, but he's a name now. So I feel like with the pro bowl, it really is a name thing and it's a bummer for bulls. He didn't make it this year. But I feel like everybody talking about him, it's going to help his chances for sure next year. If he has the year next year, similar to he has this year, I think he'll definitely make it next year.
1: So the Broncos are three and a half point road underdogs to Justin Herbert and the Chargers this week. John, you've been tweeting and writing about how the Broncos can avoid finishing last in the division by beating, just beating these Chargers to make sure they finish ahead of them. But why is that so important? And actually, we were talking before this and you actually wouldn't mind that the Broncos personally, you wouldn't mind if they finish last. And, and that's something I would never expect to hear from John Heath. Tell the people why.
2: Yeah, it's it's a very selfish reason. Uh, this year, the Broncos were supposed to play the Falcons in London. And because of COVID, the game got moved to Atlanta. And I was going to try to go to that game and cover it in London. I thought that would be such a fun, cool experience. And so when that got canceled, I was like, okay, how could it be possible for them to play in London next season? And it, it really just kind of depends on their opponents because the Broncos want to play in London, but they don't want to give up a home game. So then they got to have someone on their schedule that's one willing to play in London and two give up a home game. So they, they need a road opponent on their schedule that would fit playing in London. And the team that makes the most sense for that is the Jaguars. And uh, the Jaguars, like they have like a multi-year commitment with the NFL to play a couple games in London every season for even a couple more years. So if the Broncos have the Jaguars on their schedule as a road opponent next season, I feel like they have a pretty good shot to play in London next year. As long as like with COVID and the vaccine, as long as it's like allowed to happen. I feel like if the Jags are on their schedule, that they'll play them next year. And for that to happen, they have to finish in last place in the AFC West because the Jaguars have already clinched last place in their division. So, if the Broncos play, or if the Broncos finish in third place in the AFC West above the Chargers, they're going to play the Houston Texans in Texas next season, and going to Texas isn't quite the same as going to London. So, <laughs> selfishly, I kind of want them like, In this kind of a blown season, it helps their draft status. It helps them finish in the same spot as the Jags. And it helps their chances of playing in London next year. So I wouldn't mind. Like, I want them to finish on a high note. I want Drew Locke to finish on a high note. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, if they lose to the Chargers, I'm not going to be too, too upset about
1: it. You heard that, Broncos country. John Heath wants you to lose. He wants your Broncos to lose, lose, lose. So I can't believe you, John. How selfish. I'm How a big selfish. hater. No, I like it. We have to start the campaign. We have to start the campaign. Get John to London. I like it. <laughs> Just start a hashtag on Twitter or something. But uh, no, in all seriously, in seriousness, John, uh, have a great holiday weekend, great Christmas, all that. And uh, we'll see what happens against the Chargers, and I'll talk to you next week.
2: All right, man. Sounds good. Have a good holiday.